Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thank you for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who is every bit as good as advertised, and that's pretty, pretty good. He is the captain. I might be as good as the side effects that are advertised. He might cause diarrhea. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for listening, and thanks for telling a friend. Today, we are very pleased to be featuring Speed Wobbles by the forward thinkers at Key Brewing. Speed Wobbles is an American Sessions IPA, and for those who may not know, the idea behind a Sessions IPA is you combine the hoppiness of an IPA with the lower alcohol content of a Sessions beer, and Speed Wobbles does that perfectly with an ABV of 4.6%, garage grade 4, and a quarter bottle caps out of 5, and this week, our fridge is full Thanks to these drinking buddies right here. First up, a cheers and a big say hello to your mother for me to my good, good friend Brad in Grove City, Ohio. Thanks for the beer, Bradford. And a big shout out to Mike W. from Niles, Michigan. And here's one to Chad, a.k.a. Mr. Buckles, delivering the mail in parts unknown. And all the way in Fargo, we have a big shout to Ashley. And we have Ricky and Lindsay who started listening to TCG while road tripping. And last, but certainly not least, a big cheers and thank you to Steven in Santa Barbara, California. Everyone that we just mentioned went to truecrimegarage.com and clicked on the donate button. And for that, we thank you. And we have a bunch of new store items coming soon. So if you want to get the heads up, make sure you sign up on the mailing list at truecrimegarage.com, and that's enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Each year, as we venture through life, 
there are markers along our journey. Holidays, birthdays, and anniversaries. These can be cause for celebration, gift-giving, and reflection. These markers along life's highway are not only something we welcome, but something we look forward to. We all will celebrate a birthday in 2019. And I, like so many of you out there, I will observe my own holidays and anniversaries throughout this year. Think about your life, your loved ones, and celebrations you've had so far, and the ones you are looking forward to. Now, put yourself in the shoes of the loved one or family member of a victim, of someone no longer with us. Of course, these loved ones are victims as well. But these victims, so very unfortunately, are victimized repeatedly, over and over again. Each year, they experience holidays, birthdays, and anniversaries, but without their loved one. Unlike the rest of us, these are not dates or markers that they look forward to, often choosing to spend this time alone, unable to celebrate. The days that we are often the happiest are the times that they struggle the most. And then they get to do it all over again next year, and the next year, and the year after that. Next week, we will recognize an anniversary, but not one that anyone will be looking forward to. Next week marks the 10-year anniversary of when Tony Lee Sharpless vanished. Ten years have gone by, and there's still no trace of her, or is there? This is True Crime Garage, and this is the case of Tony Lee Sharpless. Tony Lee Sharpless was born on December 27, 1979. Her father was killed in an accident when she was just six years old. Later, Tony's mother remarried, so Tony and her sister Candy were raised by her mother and stepfather in West Brandywine Township, an area of about 4,500 people. West Brandywine is about 60 miles west of Philadelphia. From what we can tell, the parents provided a loving and supportive home to the two girls. But Tony would struggle getting involved in her teen years with drugs and alcohol. At 17, she was pregnant. Her mom says Tony was determined to keep the baby and to get herself together and be a good mother. Tony started working full time, leaving her daughter in the care of her parents, and she focused on being a good parent herself. Tony wanted to provide a good life for her daughter and be a good example, but life as a young single mother was not easy. And her mom says Tony had her first breakdown at either age 19 or 20. Tony suddenly lapsed into several days of uncontrollable crying. She was hospitalized and examined, but wasn't diagnosed with any condition at that time. She went back to drinking and occasionally taking drugs and even totaled her car. 
Now, this was very traumatic, and it was something that she vowed never to repeat. Unfortunately, there were two suicide attempts as well. She and her daughter moved to Florida briefly. Tony and her daughter moved back in with Tony's mom and stepdad in Pennsylvania after this short trip to Florida. These behavior cycles continued until 2005 when Tony was diagnosed bipolar and placed on prescription medication. This was to allow her to stabilize to the point that she could be able to enroll in a nursing program. Tony's parents helped her as she worked on the weekends as a nurse's aide and navigated nursing school. Everyone says Tony was managing well for most of this time. She stayed stable throughout nursing school and in 2007 started working at Lancaster General Hospital. Friends describe Tony as a brilliant woman who loved her job. It seems she had put her addiction issues behind her and her disease was under control thanks to proper medication. And things seem to be looking up for her. Yeah, but at some point she's going to be convicted of a DUI. And in early 2009, she started behaving erratically. Her friend Crystal Johns says that in early 2009, Tony was cycling between mania and depression. Tony entered a three-week stint in a psych rehab facility in April of 2009. According to her family, it was here that Tony was issued a new prescription for bipolar disorder and treated for alcohol abuse. And she came out of rehab a renewed person. She stabilized and was able to return to work and resumed her routine as a dependable mom to her now 12-year-old daughter. Right, but let's be clear. There's no test that they can give somebody to be like, oh, you took this test, you are bipolar. So most psychologists won't diagnose somebody with bipolar disease. They they monitor it for years, actually. So with therapy and trying different prescriptions, and this mm-hmm. is kind of what they're doing. So when they said that, but some doctors will um, diagnose right away and start prescribing right away. Mm-hmm. Well, at this point, Tony was working as an infectious disease nurse, typically working a 12-hour night shift, then coming home in the morning. Things went smoothly for about four months. The one thing that seemed to have been very tough for Tony to adjust to was her bipolar meds prohibited her from drinking, just like a lot of other medications, alcohol and her medications, they do not mix well together, basically giving you undesirable side effects to things like mood, behavior, and your health. Well, some of the antipsychotics, if you drink on them, they actually could cause death. So we know that Tony had a problem with alcohol in the past, but after this relapse, Tony seems to have changed her lifestyle to avoid drinking, at least initially. She wasn't going out. She was staying focused on work and family. Now, Captain, we need to talk about the events of August 22nd and 23rd, 2019. Uh, August 22nd was a Saturday, and Tony finished a long shift at the hospital. She was down because of a couple different reasons. A patient had committed suicide at the hospital by jumping out of the window just weeks earlier, and a close friend of hers, her, her brother had been killed in a car accident. So she's got 
her own struggles, but there's there's some other things going right. on here to add to this, add a, a, a different layer to this. Now, Saturday morning after getting off work, Tony went over to her sister Candy's apartment. Remember, they're very close, these two sisters. She hung out with Candy's kids and, and helped Candy clean her apartment. Then they picked up Tony's daughter, and they went to a mall, a shopping mall, for a day of shopping. Now, the shopping group was joined by Tony's old friend, Crystal Johns. Tony bought some new clothes and, and some new hair color, and the two friends caught up on life. It's my understanding that these two are, are old friends, and they didn't have a relationship for quite some time. And at some point, this relationship is renewed. Now, Crystal said she was going to go out that night to some clubs to meet up with some of her friends, and she encouraged Tony to join her. Candy was also included in this invitation, but Candy declined. Mm -hmm. She said later that she was somewhat surprised that Tony agreed to go out because this was going to be a partying situation, but she guessed that Tony felt that you know maybe she deserved some fun after not being out for several months. Now, Tony dropped off her daughter with her parents and said goodbye to the three of them. This is around like 9.30 p.m. Tony's friend from nursing school, Gigi Hayes, told us that she spoke with Tony that day, and she believes Tony was clearly in or possibly entering a manic stage, which Gigi had seen and witnessed before. She says that in those stages, Tony would do very impulsive things. Gigi cautioned her about going out with Crystal and says that she and Tony's mother, Donna, both were concerned. Now, Donna says that while Tony most of the time took her medications as required, the day before, she called and asked Donna to call into the pharmacy for refills. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Tony would often fail to take medication when she decided she was feeling good you know she would kind of we see this a lot where where people decide they don't need their medication because of the way they feel um and this seems to be the case here as well well i'm not a doctor i'm a captain and all medicines work differently but skipping one day of these medications are not going to derail you completely we don't know this for certain but what we can say is that Tony's family seems to think that it's possible that Tony did not take her pills that day or maybe in the past day or past few days mm -hmm. leading up to this day. Again, we don't know for certain. And again, we don't know how these medications are going to react with her. That's correct. After saying goodbye, Tony went over to Crystal's where the two got glammed up to go out. Tony wore black pants or tights and a turquoise top and sandals. Now, Crystal later said in an interview that she didn't know that Tony wasn't supposed to drink while on her medication. According to her, she didn't even know that Tony was bipolar. Remember, we said that the, the relationship is uh, kind of a new spark to an old friendship, right? According to Tony's friend Gigi, Crystal was not a great influence mm -hmm. for Tony. That's, that's Gigi's opinion. She had serious reservations about Tony's decision to go out with Crystal that night. 
Now, the two young women went off to two different clubs. First, they hit up Club Ice and King of Prussia, which is in Lower Marion Township. And then they drove to G Lounge in Philly. Yeah, G Lounge. That's right. That's where I get my swerve on. <laughs> uh, it was here that they met up with Matt Green, mm-hmm. who was hanging out with his brother. His brother at the time played for the 76ers, a, a professional basketball team in the NBA. His name is Willie Green. It's not really clear what exactly the relationship was between Crystal and Matt. We know that they met up that night. We know that Crystal told Tony earlier that day, hey, I'm going out with friends, meeting up with some friends. Why don't you come with me? What I've heard is that it, that sometimes this relationship between Crystal and Matt may have just been a casual hookup, you know, that they were had some type of relationship when he was around kind of thing. Right. Now, the girls, from what we've been told, received VIP treatment at G Lounge, drinking champagne, vodka, doing shots. Sounds like they're having a good time. Now, Tony spent quite a bit of time on the dance floor. One incident did happen here at the club that upset Tony. This is according to Crystal. Apparently, two Hispanic men who were hitting on her they were conversing in Spanish about Tony. And one of them said that Tony looked like she was 35 years old. Now, remember, Tony is only 29 at this time. Tony actually spoke fluent Spanish and could understand everything that they were saying. And this really upset her. Now, clubs in Philly stop serving alcohol at 2 a.m. And everybody has to be out of the bars at 2.30 they are with a crew of about six or seven total. And it sounds like they wanted to keep partying. So Willie, Willie Green, the basketball player, Mm -hmm. invited everyone back to his mansion. This is in Gladwine, Pennsylvania. This is about a 30 to 40 minute drive from where they're currently located. Yeah, that's that's never good. Hey, we've been drinking and doing a bunch of drugs. Let's drive. 30, 40 minutes. And I'm I'm not certain as to what time they arrived at the first club, but one thing we do know is they stayed at the second club until closing time. So mm-hmm. we can assume that most of them are pretty sauced up by this what, point. What's closing time there? Because closing time here is 2 a.m. But the, Well, those... serving stops at 2 a.m. and everyone has to be out of the bar at 2.30. Oh, okay, so same, same as us. Tony drove herself and Crystal in her black four-door 2002 Pontiac Grand Prix GT, uh, which had tinted windows. Whether or not she should have been driving is not clear. This has never been made clear by anybody that night, but Tony was operating on, from what we know, 36 hours of no sleep, medication, which is either wearing off or no medication, bipolar disorder, and plenty of alcohol. A crystal categorically denies that either she or Tony did any drugs that night. So mm-hmm. we'll give crystal a benefit of the doubt and say, we won't include drugs in that, in that statement. Now, Tony was also very bad with directions. She was driving to an unfamiliar area. She had a new phone that she had just got like a few days before, and she wasn't able to figure out the GPS on this new phone. In fact, 
they had a real tough go of it trying to get to the G Lounge. I guess they drove around a lot longer than than normal trying to right. find this place because right. they didn't they know where they were going. They went to H Lounge first. That's right. They had to circle back around. Up to the M Lounge, down to the Z, yep. back to the A, found, mm. found themselves at the G. Skipped the B, yeah. Apparently, when they were heading out to Willie Green's house, Crystal was the one who was able to figure out the GPS. So they used GPS to get to his house. Now, Gladwine is a very upper crust suburb of Philadelphia. One news article says that it's one of the most expensive towns in the United States. The NBA player and party host Willie Green was making quite a bit of money uh, in those days and his house that he lived in cost about $780,000. This was, uh, purchased in 2006 from right. my understanding. It's not totally clear how many people ended up at his house. We have heard that it was Willie, Matt, their uncle, another girl also named crystal. And according to crystal Johns, this other crystal wasn't too happy that she and Tony were there and possibly one other person that I don't have a name for. We also don't know exactly what, what happened there. You know, we do know that Tony texted her daughter at two fifty-seven AM. This is while on the, on the school kill expressway. I hope I said that right. This is interstate 76 and it was on the way to the house party. Now, Tony is responding to a text from her daughter. The daughter's saying, hey, I can't sleep. And Tony texts back saying something like, honey, I'll be home soon. Get some sleep. Or I hope you can get to sleep. See you soon. Love you. Something like that. Right, which is the typical parent bullshit text. Like, hey, we'll be back soon, which really means just go to sleep and I'll see you in the morning. Whatever the exact wording of this response was, it sounded totally normal. Although moving forward, I want everybody to keep in mind, there's no proof that it was actually Tony that, that sent that text. Well, if she's driving, she could have just had her friend send the text. Her friend figured out the GPS, right? Mm -hmm. Right. But, but again, what I want to point out is I, I don't mean just whose fingers were on the phone. I mean, we, there's a lot of questions about that night. And you, mm -hmm. and that will become very clear very soon. But just to point out, even though the text came from Tony's phone and it was to her daughter in response to a text, I don't want anybody to believe 100% that, that Tony sent this text or was the one that chose the words for the text. Now, only Crystal Johns, out of all the people that apparently were there or could have been there that night, only Crystal Johns has spoken publicly about that night. She has done interviews, TV shows, blogs, and other forms of media mm -hmm. about what she says exactly went down at Willie Green's home. Now she was initially very eager to talk right, you know, right from the get. Yeah. But to be clear, Crystal's story of what occurred that evening is the only narrative we have to go on. While it appears that her story has changed in, in, in little ways, somewhat in the, especially in the early days, the gist of what she said happened is this. The crew at the house was playing a drinking game that involves the card game taboo. 
at some point during the game, Tony made, again, she's, she's worded this several different ways and I don't want to upset anybody here, but Mm -hmm. from my understanding, she, Tony made a joking comment that either was or could have been a racial slur. Now it's worth noting that both crystal and Tony are white and Willie and Matt are black. Also, Tony's daughter is mixed race. And just pointing all that out, I wasn't at the party. I don't know exactly what went down. Right. When Willie expressed displeasure at Tony's word choice, yeah. yeah, I guess Tony lost it, according to Crystal. She started pouring champagne on the floor and getting belligerent. Now, In another account, Crystal says she herself was in the pool and someone came out and found her and said there was something going on or something wrong with her friend. And she found Tony kicking furniture, cursing and throwing things and acting extremely drunk. Pulling a Rick James. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck your couch. This behavior was out of character for Tony said crystal, but others who knew Tony said that it was not totally out of character. If she was having an episode and crystal says that Willie asked the two of them to leave mm-hmm. and angry and crying. Tony grabbed her keys and said that she was, she was driving. Well, in all fairness, I mean, you go to a house party with Willie green basketball player, NBA, right? Mm-hmm. And they, you're expecting the party, and they pull out taboo. Give me a break. Yeah, yeah. I, I again, I don't know what was going on, but but hey, when she says that play she's pictionary, no, I want a party. She's asked to leave, and she, you know, she grabs her keys. She says she's driving. I guess some of the guys in the group started laughing and told her, you know. Hey, by the way, don't hit any of our cars on the way out of the driveway. As soon as she and Crystal got to Tony's Grand Prix, Tony started yelling at Crystal, accusing her of laughing at her with the others. You know, hey, you you brought me here. You asked me to join along on this party. Maybe, Maybe she screwed up. Maybe she didn't. I don't know. But whatever went down, according to Crystal, Tony at this point not only feels like the people that stayed at the party are against her, but her friend or so-called friend Crystal is now against her as well. Well, this is a tough situation. There's a lot of people that are uh, suffering with bipolar or mental illnesses that that, um, once they get their medication right, they might be advised from their psychologist that it... Yeah, maybe some of the side effects aren't great, but it's okay if you you drink a little bit on your medication. But like you said, they switched her medication. So maybe she drank drank on her old medication and she kind of knew how to handle this, but now she's having a different effect mm. um, with the new medication. My general understanding was I don't think she was supposed to be drinking at all. And then top that off with, it looks like she had a bit of a roller coaster ride with drinking alone, you know, right, with, right. with, with having some times in her life where she was abusing alcohol and, and, and you know, and, and I'm, here's the thing in Tony's defense, 
she obviously was somebody that wanted to make the right decisions. I think sometimes she struggled with that. And we all do on some level, right? right? If you have a mental illness, that's a, you know, that's an obstacle that, that a lot of people can't get over. Yeah. And, and, and I don't want to, uh, pretend like I'm, I'm better than anybody. I was actually thinking about this on my way here and, and, and really doing some self-reflecting and thinking to myself, you know, I'm in my thirties now and I think I could probably handle being told, Hey, you can't drink. I don't know if I would have been able to roll with that very well in my twenties. Well, and it's not like she's been irresponsible with her whole life. She's taking care of her kid. Uh, she went to school. She's a, she's a hard worker. Everybody should have the right to let their hair down a little bit. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, everybody. Cheers to you, Captain. Where we left off, Tony was asked to leave or told to leave this party. Yeah. So she decides she's going to drive and she's taking her friend Crystal who arrived with her. She's taking Crystal with her. Now, once they're at Tony's car, Tony starts yelling at Crystal. And in fact, Crystal says Tony got so mad 
and became so unreasonable that just within two blocks from Willie's house, she pulled over and yelled at Crystal, telling her to get out of the car. Well, Crystal said later that she knew Tony shouldn't have been driving. Crystal said she was so shocked and surprised by Tony's behavior that she did exactly as she said she was told, and she, in fact, got out of the car. Now, this put Crystal alone on the side of the road in a somewhat strange place. Around 4.45 a.m., she says that Tony sped off, taking a left turn toward Hollow Road, heading back in the direction of the interstate, heading back in the direction in which they came. Right, but we don't know if Tony knew where she was going. After this takes place, there are two phone calls on the call logs to Tony's phone, one at 4.47 a.m. and one at 4.53 a.m. So two phone calls, six minutes apart. Some reports state that these calls were at 4.53 a.m. and 4.59 a.m., but the key thing to mention here and to keep in mind here is there's not a big discrepancy in these two times that were given from different reports. And it's very clear in all the reports that there were two calls that took place and they occurred six minutes apart. These match up with the panicked calls Crystal said she made to Tony in the minutes after Tony told her to get out of the car. She said she was sure that Tony would come back for her. And she said that her calls, the two calls, went straight to Tony's voicemail. Crystal says to her, it was obvious that the phone was turned off. That's her opinion. We've seen reports that Tony's phone last pinged a cell tower that serves near the area where the party was located. What's strange here to me is that Crystal's story, uh, I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Right? So she told... Why, the, why is that? Well, I'm going to get into that. Okay. She told the TV show ID disappeared that she was stranded there within walking distance from the party house. Right. And that even men, some of the men at the party even yelled at her to come back, but she refused because she said she was embarrassed about the whole episode. So instead she started walking alone in the direction of the interstate. Now this seems, it just seems to me very unlikely unless, unless I do believe that, that she's stating that she thought Tony would eventually turn around. Right. Um, but to take that a step further, then you have to believe that she continued to walk and at some point got to a point where she just felt like she was too far away to turn around. Again, I, I if she's, she said she was scared, she was alone, she felt abandoned on the side of the road, yet she's within just a couple blocks of, of the party that she just left. Now, mind you, according to Crystal's story, She's not the one that, that did the party foul that made made them have to exit the party, right? Right. She says that, that she's dropped off. She starts walking, refuses to turn around to the party. Um, here's the thing. We, we don't know how intoxicated Tony is at this point. We don't know how intoxicated Crystal was at this point. So maybe Crystal's just making a bad irrational, illogical decision. In other accounts, Crystal was already far enough away from the party that she didn't know where to go, she says. 
In any event, Crystal says that she sat on a curb on the side of the road and started calling family, finally getting a hold of a 17-year-old nephew of hers who agreed to make the 40-minute drive to come and get her. Now, Crystal says that she was scared and a little mad at Tony. Little did she know that this would be the last time anyone would see Tony. The two calls to Tony's phone from Crystal were the last activity ever recorded on Tony's cell phone. Tony Sharpless disappeared sometime around 5 a.m. on Sunday, August 23rd, 2009. At some point after she failed to reach Tony, Crystal called Tony's sister Candy and left a voicemail for her, explaining what had happened and saying that she would drop off Tony's things later that day. When Candy got the voicemail from Crystal, she called over to her mom's house and was immediately concerned when she discovered that Tony did not come home that night. Crystal and Tony's family started calling local police stations to see if Tony could have been pulled over for a DUI. And then they tried local hospitals as well to see if she would ended up in a hospital. Neither was the case. Crystal called the West Brandywine PD around 9 p.m. to report Tony missing. And Candy, Tony's sister, went in and filed a missing persons report. Tony Lee Sharpless officially became a missing person at this time. Officer Russell Moore with the Brandywine Police Department told ID Disappeared that he was immediately concerned about Tony after hearing of her unstable past and a night of partying. Although her family insisted that she would never have hurt herself or take off, leaving her daughter. They say that her daughter was her whole world and she never would have left her. Now the family told officer Moore that Tony had plans on Monday to take her daughter to a state park in the area with a lifelong friend and her kids. This is to further bolster the the point that they would not be, uh, she would not be taking off. Now, Officer Moore entered Tony's car into a missing vehicle database, but like Tony, her Grand Prix seemed to have disappeared into thin air. While the police geared up to search for Tony, her family took matters into their own hands. Crystal and some of Tony's other friends helped print off flyers describing her, including pictures of Tony and her car. They had Tony listed as five foot, five inches tall, 135 pounds, auburn hair, blue and gray eyes. Last seen wearing a turquoise top and black pants. Tony's mother and stepfather drove out to the neighborhood where the party was and scoped out this whole area. They drove the routes that Tony could have taken to get home. And Crystal told them that Tony's car had been low on gas, maybe a quarter of a tank, and that would possibly not have been enough to get her home, suggesting that Tony would likely have to be looking for a gas station at some point. Family and friends stopped at local gas stations asking about sightings of Tony, but came up empty-handed. Now, I want to talk about the geographical location of that party. Willie Green's address was 1317 Bobarn Drive in Gladwine. To get here, Tony and Crystal took Interstate 76 and would have got off on the Hollow Road exit. 
Remember, Crystal said that when Tony ditched her, Tony took a left toward Hollow Road, presumably looking for a way back onto the interstate. But at this time, it would have been dark. All of the unlit small roads in that area probably look very much alike. There are no commercial areas or businesses, and it's likely that Tony's perceptions were significantly impaired. So on Hollow Road, there is no entrance ramp leading to the highway in the direction Tony should have gone, assuming she intended to go home. She would have been looking for Interstate 76 West. The access ramp accessible here leads only in the direction of Philadelphia. It's Interstate 76 East, the opposite way from where Tony would have logically wanted to go toward her home. Right, but like they stated before, she's pretty bad with directions, and we don't know if she knew how to use her GPS. Well, and she didn't know this area. Right. So very likely not knowing that if she does, in fact, get it on that freeway, it's going to send her in the wrong direction. Right. So now one very simple possibility here could be just some kind of tragic accident. So let's say Tony didn't take the ramp that we just discussed because it is going in the wrong direction. So if she didn't take the ramp, Hollow Road ends up just a few feet further on going under the interstate, crossing train tracks, and then it dead ends into River Road, which runs along the Schuylkill River. A sharp 90-degree left turn onto River Road would have wound Tony along the river and led right to the Flat Rock Park boat access ramp that could possibly be mistaken for a highway on-ramp. Could Tony have driven her car off the boat ramp and into the river? Now, even if she didn't, the road continues closely along the river for quite some time. At any point, she could have veered off and then went into the water. Yeah. Or if she had turned right onto River Road, which really is just a dirt road in the easterly direction from Hollow Road, could she have accidentally just have driven right into the river at that point as well? So her family and friends drove all along this stretch of river road looking for things like tire marks or busted guardrails. They didn't find anything. Now, many of the areas along the riverfront contain homes featuring manicured lawns. So it seems to me like it would have been obvious if a car had, you know, mowed through these lawns and went into to the river. Right. And then we have Lieutenant Frank Higgins of the Lower Marion Township Police Department. He said, quote, there are very few areas where you cannot find a guardrail or somebody's front lawn. End quote. When Tony's family expressed concern about the possibility that Tony could have gone into this river at or near the boat ramp, the Lower Marion Police Department did not see probable cause to search the river. So remember Tony's friend Gigi, she contacted Texas EquiSearch and anybody that's listened to this show for any length of time, they, they come up like every three or four cases that we cover. This is a, this is a a top of the line search company that was founded by a victim's father. Search and rescue team. Yeah. So Texas EquiSearch was lined up by Gigi. And this was all scheduled and arranged by Gigi to search the river. 
This search took place on September 11th. A law enforcement dive team from Philadelphia was sent to supervise the search, and they actually limited the parameters of the search area to just a stretch of the river that they stated was most likely where Tony could have gone in. This area started at the Flat Rock boat ramp and proceeded up the river away from Flat Rock Dam to the next boat ramp where the river starts to curve to the left. The river was about 25 feet deep at its deepest points. Texas EquiSearch sonar equipment scanned the bottom of the river looking for anomalies that could be Tony's car. And to the shock of pretty much everyone, they found one very quickly. When news of this spread, Tony's friends, including Crystal and family, gathered. They're certain that Tony had been found by this point. Now, Texas EquiSearch sonar continued to scan the river. It found another anomaly on the riverbed below, and then another, and another. Mm. Divers confirmed that there was not one car, but multiple cars on the bottom of the Schuylkill River off of that boat ramp. Wow. Eleven cars were down there. Eleven. I've I've seen used car lots with less cars. Yeah. All right. Eleven cars were down there at the bottom of the river. That's a lot of cars, man. Yeah. The the river the divers found based on the license plates, you know, some of these cars still had license plates on mm-hmm. them. And this was then confirmed when the crane came in and pulled cars out of the river. I mean, I, I don't want to get too far off the subject, but do you, do you roughly know how long these cars were in River 4? I, I don't, and it, it will become, you'll see why that's probably not important. Yeah, I know. it's. I, I think it's not important, but what I'm saying is, like, if these cars, if it's a span of 20 years or 30 years, well, maybe 11 cars isn't that much, you know, but... Uh, it seems like there's a lot of accidents over there. Well, actually, what they learned is they they believe this area was a dumping ground for stolen vehicles. Oh, okay. And so th- these all of these vehicles could have been put there by the same person right, right. or the same group. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So these were all, and that's easily confirmed. You know, when they look up the VIN numbers and things like that, they go, right, "Oh, this right, right. this vehicle was reported stolen." Now, Tony's Grand Prix remained missing even after they found all these other cars. Unless the sophisticated sonar equipment missed something, Tony was not in that part of the river. She did not enter that part of the river. After this, police were just at a loss, saying, quote, We checked all the bridges, bank statements, her telephone, followed up on all the leads we could electronically, and we just never came up with anything. This is a quote from Lieutenant Higgins. And he went on to say, it's still quite a mystery that her car was never turned up. People disappear with no trace, but the car usually turns up at some point. Well, I know she wasn't using her cell phone, but I would assume at at this point she had a charger in her car for her phone and that we would get some kind of cell phone ping from her just moving areas you know like you said it's 30 some minutes away Mm -hmm. so maybe you'd have to stop and get gas maybe nobody saw you to get gas maybe you did that with cash and not a debit card 
But wouldn't at some point um, you you would think one, there's just not going to be that many drivers on the road that that day. So maybe one would get an eyewitness that came forward, or again maybe we'd get that cell phone ping. Uh, you know, maybe not again not using the phone, but you'd get it by switching locations, wouldn't you? Yeah, and so what that means is that the phone is off or dead by that time. Right. And we do have Crystal John's statement where she said, hey, it seemed obvious to me that my two calls placed to her went straight to voicemail because the phone was was off. Mm. Now, I often wondered about this. When, when looking into this case, one thing that I was highly suspicious of, because some of the reports, the way that they report it, it makes it sound like magically Tony kicks Crystal out of her car and then about the same time her phone goes dead or is shut off. We don't know that to be true. So when 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 right. I see these reports and watch them on, on YouTube or on TV and the way that they word it, it makes it seem like that. And I think to me that's just that's wrong because, look, I have a lot of suspicions of the people that she was hanging out with that night and Crystal's story in particular. And the, the biggest part of the story that I didn't like was that magically at the same time, she's kicked out of the car and the phone goes dead or is shut off. That just seemed like way too much of a coincidence. But when we really examine this thing and really take a deep dive and look at it here, we don't know what time, if the phone did die, if it lost power, we don't know what time that it, that it went down. Right. And anybody using G GPS knows that there's several things that you can do on your phone that will drain the battery battery significantly faster. And if you're not plugged into your, your car dash or, or running off of some other power supply, yeah. the GPS could very likely drain her battery quite quickly. We know that she was up for quite some time. Who knows the last time that she charged her phone, one. And two, if she didn't know how to use the GPS, how do we know she didn't leave it on after arriving at the party and it continued to drain the battery while there. So that's one thing I've always been very suspicious with in this case, but I just find it to be that it's, it's not this magical coincidence. So the other thing, while we're on the topic of the geographical location of that party, I think it's also important to point out here for those that are unfamiliar with this region the area of Pennsylvania where Tony disappeared from is close to several large cities where it would be easy to disappear or encounter trouble. Mm -hmm. So we have Camden, New Jersey was just a 20 minute drive East. This is a notoriously dangerous city. Also North Philly has some sketchy areas as well. Both of these urban trouble zones are within a reasonably short drive from where Tony was last seen. Well, let's kind of go over this. So she, she's low on gas, right? Mm -hmm. Quarter of a tank, roughly. According to Tony. She's, or I'm sorry, according to Crystal. She's possibly impaired. One, she's impaired because she's tired. She's impaired because we know that she's at least had a couple drinks. Mm -hmm. um, we, we don't know if she's on medication or not but she could be impaired either way. Mm -hmm. She's not good with directions. Mm -hmm. Phone might not be working. And if it is, she seems to might be... Might not know how to use the GPS. Right. 
and in a, she's in an unfamiliar area, right? right? So really, the this is where this gets very problematic for this whole case and the, the story of this disappearance. The possibilities here seem somewhat endless, right? Yeah. When, when you talk about these two, let's call them danger zones, all right? These, these dangerous areas of that are short drives from where she was known to have been, according to Crystal's story, and according to the cell phone ping that happened roughly in that area. Right. She could have ended up in these danger zones in any by any way. I mean, it could have been just as simple as she took a wrong turn or was heading in the wrong direction on the interstate. This could have put her in the very, very wrong side of town on the bad side of the tracks, as they say. And then the other side of the tracks, but yeah, yeah. So, but it also could put you in an area again, you're not familiar with, um, might not be the safest of areas and you're low on gas. If not, Running out of gas at that point. So police determined that none of Tony's credit or debit cards to this day, they've still not been used. So what does that tell us? Well, we know that she did not buy gas unless she paid cash that night. Further, since none of her cards or bank accounts were accessed, it seems very unlikely that she was the victim of a robbery gone bad. Right. And she's not running away. I mean, she had too much going on. She's a mother. She had a good relationship with her family. She had a good job. She she was working uh, higher education to, to further her career. She's not running away from her life. No. She might have been somebody that needed a temporary break a night out a night out we all do um she was working very hard and look single mom yes mom and stepdad are helping her out she's probably getting some help from her sister but she's helping her sister as well we know that according to her sister she came over that day hung out with her sister's kids helped her clean her apartment right as you said she's very close to her family and it, it seems like while we can't rule it out 100%, it seems an extremely low probability that she went out, got blasted, and just decided to take off. Extremely right. low probability. Well, very, yeah. And on, on top of that, we don't have any record of her having cash, and we know that she's low on gas, and there's no you know, activity on her debit card. I saw rumors that her car, her her mm. model of vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, Grand Prix GT, was considered a desirable target for carjackers. I, look, I could see that. I'm not into boosting cars. Never have been. Uh, boosting? Yeah. Is that like a term for stealing? Boosting? Yes. Okay. yes. Um, but Shows you how hip I am. What seems strange to me, it's a seven-year-old Pontiac. Uh-huh. <laughs> no offense to the Pontiac owners out there, but this is a seven-year-old Pontiac. So I, I just don't, I don't get it. But again, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's targeted for no, some I, other reason. No, I could see that. Um, these, these, these cars drove really well. Uh, they had a pretty cool uh, aesthetic to them. 
So even though they'd be seven years old, the the aesthetic to these cars um, didn't date themselves. Mm-hmm. So I I could see why they said that because this the, this was the type of car that kind of appealed to the the a younger crowd. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why they're saying these are cars that people look to steal. Well, and the other thing that's always confused me, and I think that the media flubs this up pretty good is there's a big difference between a stolen car and a car jacking. And so to say that it's a desirable target for a car jacker is one thing. And, but I know that when stealing cars, there are desirable targets for stolen cars because of the way that they are. It's easy to break into them. It's easy to hotwire the vehicle, something like that. So, I when I when I see these things and I, and I see that uh, media saying that uh, news outlets saying that this is a desirable target for carjackers, I that's when I want to ask the person telling me that information. Maybe do you mean carjacking or do you mean right. stealing a car? Because those are two completely right. completely different things. So do you mean jacking or do you mean stealing? Do you mean jacking? So here's the other thing. This is is the big question, and a lot of people ask this time and time again regarding mm. this case. If, in fact, she ended up in a bad area of town, or did she end up out in the middle of nowhere uh, stranded because she ran out of gas? Because her vehicle, as reported by Crystal, was a quarter of a tank or less. Crystal says she would have been likely looking for a gas station because I don't believe she had enough gas in the tank to make it home that night. Right. But this should kind of limit our radius of search and we should be able to at least find her car or find some evidence. Thank you. uh, Of Tony. Thank you. Because that's the thing that people point out a lot with this case. They go, well, she could have run out of gas and somebody evil, some evil monster could have just, happened upon her taking the opportunity to abduct her. Mm-hmm. You bring up the most obvious answer to why that's, that seems also very unlikely here, because if in fact her car was incapacitated at all, where is it? Where is it? Just like the officer says that the people disappear. Cars usually turn up eventually. Right. If you'd like to check out our old episodes, make sure you download the Stitcher app. All of our old episodes are on the Stitcher app for free. And we also do a weekly show called Off the Record, and that's only available on Stitcher Premium. And that's just $5 a month. So I think we have 68 episodes out as of today. So for 5 bucks, you could sign up, and you'd probably be caught up in a week. And if they're still running the promo, Captain, I believe you can listen to Stitcher Premium for free. Give it a little trial run. Mm-hmm. See if you dig it. And you can do that by going to our website, truecrimegarage.com. Just click on that listen button. Until tomorrow, everybody be good, be kind, and don't live.
This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.